Welcome. Under the husk. We are here. It is August 10th in the Corncob TV studios. We have a great episode ahead. We will be previewing four teams. The teams that finished in the bottom four of the league standings. Ass. Uh, you can call them ass. We have one team, I'm looking at the show notes, who may be making a jump to the playoffs that mm. was in this group last season. Uh, but it's going to be a good one. We're going to spend about 15 minutes on each team, giving a thorough breakdown, talking a little bit about last year and looking towards the future. We got preseason football on in the background. Pin me us. How we doing? Pin me us. Out of the doghouse oh. from last week. This time last week, we were on our third drink, and it evolved to about nine or ten at Ale House, but out of the doghouse, took a few days. We are back. I uh, took a week off from the pod, but full steam ahead. We got a show on the 10th, the 17th, and then again on the 31st, right before our week one previews on the 7th. So three shows, talking about each team's for each. Very exciting time of the year, and still getting boycotted from both Puglisi brothers. I don't like it. Yeah, it's a shame. The viewership numbers are holding strong, but it right. is a shame that we have two prominent league members just holding out for no uh, reason. Uh, no, there's reason. No, there's reason. They're uh, they're perverts. <laughs> uh, we, we have a couple weddings coming up. Uh, I mentioned, I think, last show that uh, Boat's owner, Willie Sanchez, was married, but it, apparently it turns out that that doesn't count if you do it overseas. So Ooh. in about... Three and a half weeks time, four weeks time. Four weeks, yeah. uh, boats will officially be married. I know, actually, the Snake Eyes owner Alex Tanelli will be going to his wedding, but he's been married for about eight months now. Legally, illegally, yes. Illegally, no legally. Oh, okay. Yeah. Shrimp was another there. pervert. Yeah, another pervert. <laughs> uh, but anyway, enough of the funny business. Let's get into the show. Pin, why don't you give us a little breakdown of who these four teams are and what they did last season, and then I will kick us off with that first team. Sure, Sniffs. So as um, co-host of the Left of Me said, these four teams, we didn't randomly select them. They are based on the record of 2022. So we're starting from 12 all the way, working up to one. So this episode will cover the 12th, 11th, 10th, and 9th uh, ranked teams according to their 2022 record. That will be Evil Stevie, JOS, Motley Jew, and The Shrimp. We're talking about what they did in the offseason. We're projecting what they're going to do this year. Talking about each room, strength, weaknesses, maybe a player or two we like, Mm -hmm. maybe a move or two that they made that might have some uh, noise and some, uh, you know, promise, if you will, down the stretch. All four of these teams were active in, in a different multitude of ways. Evil Stevie, the seller. Motley Jew, the seller. Shrimp, JOS, the aggressor, certainly on the vet draft. So we'll just set the stage here on what we're dealing with, but uh, happy to get into Evil Stevie, who has two wins on the 2022 season. But I won't let you, I won't ruin the intro for you. Oh, no. I mean, I thought you were going to break down the whole the whole four teams, but this is good. We'll do it one by one, yeah. add a little bit of intrigue, a little bit of tension if you guys don't remember what everyone did last year. Yeah. We will be starting with Evil Stevie. Um, he finished, as you mentioned, 2-12, and 12, securing the number one overall pick, only to send it 
over to Iron Dome when the draft came around. He scored a league low 1,347 points. Um, You know, what can we say? I think we knew going into the season that Stevie was tanking. He knew it. He was the first. I I think we can give him credit for being the first inaugural tanker. Um, And I, I, you know, we mentioned it. We're going to get into his his look for this year. We know it's another tank job. uh, But I think... We've mentioned it a lot, and we'll we'll mention it more. But there are holes to fill. But he's doing it in a way that I think makes sense with a plan. So, Pin, how do you want to do this? You want to just go? You want to talk about additions first, and then we'll go through each positional room. Or do you have something to say first? A little bit about the overview of Stevie before we get into the players. The only overview I have to say about Stevie was he had two wins on the year. One came against the champ dmp the other one came against yours truly in a pivotal week 13 matchup mm-hmm. uh, that decided the one seed in no, week Israel. 14 right now week 13 and then i lost to tonelli week 14 had to beat him um yes i beat you in week 12 uh anyway evil stevie so not a very good roster not a very good record he beat two of the what top five teams in the league last year according to their record um but i think what we should do is just talk about each room um, as well as the additions, and then project the 2023 record. So uh, happy to dive into it, starting with the quarterback room. I think this is actually one of the strengths, if you're looking at Evil Stevie, yep. uh, and what he brings to the table. The two starting quarterbacks are not different than the two starting quarterbacks that he had last year. Uh, Tua and Russell Wilson. Mr. Unlimited. Now, he got Russell Wilson a little bit of a discount in the vet draft, uh, I think, as well as many people think, that Russell Wilson will have a improved season. So I do like that uh, one-two tandem heading into the year. And Russell Wilson not only getting older, getting more expensive, $43, most likely will not be on Evil Stevie's team this time next year. As we get into the running back room. Oh, oh, oh. room by room. I'm going to give my input now, Pin. All right. I would say this. It's actually a stronger quarterback room. Then I would say half the league. Yeah, I I don't, and, and it's ironic because it's a quarterback driven league. It's a super flex, and Evil CV, one of the worst teams on paper, has a very strong well, one two punch. I don't think it's ironic, and I'll tell you why. It started with the trade for Tua with me, um, and then obviously he goes ahead and he adds Russ in the vet draft. So I don't think it's ironic. I actually think he's saying during this rebuild, I'm going to build around quarterbacks with the understanding that it's very likely that he gets a Caleb Williams Correct. next year. Right. So yeah, uh, in, in a rebuilding team and in our league in general, a strong quarterback room can be the foundation to a solid team. So Tua we saw on an MVP pace at the beginning of last year, and Russ, a guy who we know can win MVP. So I don't think he's getting back to that, but if he's a top 12 guy and can be next year when you add a Caleb Williams, little bridge type of situation, look out for Stevie to to be strong in that category for the next five or so years. Definitely. No, I agree with you there. I think once Russell Wilson departs, the rookie quarterback, whomever that is, will enter and almost get the immediate nod. Um, Running back room. 
Very, very interesting. I think we'll spend the most time here with Stevie. 11 running backs on his roster, I think. You could double-check. The most running backs for any team in the OG Corn Man. 11. 11, yeah. Yeah, yeah. good good math. I, <laughs> it's not math, it's counting. Um, I will say that out of the 11, you could disagree with me, there's probably only three on that list that I actually want on my team. That if Stevie said, here you go, all I need is a fourth or a third or whatever in return, I will probably take You're that. You're saying at all. Like you wouldn't even at, want them for at, free. At all. Okay. At you don't all. have to worry about uh, at all. <laughs> I would say Devin A. Chain, rookie, James Cook, second year guy, and you could make the case and you could sell me on either Damian Harris as a goal line guy or Jarek McKinnon as a third down guy. I think you're being harsh here, but I'll let you state your case. Hang on, hang on. Hang yeah, on. yeah, go ahead. I know they're rookies, Sean Tucker, Deuce Vaughn, but I just don't think long run they're going to do anything. I would probably pair Eric Gray in that category too. I think he's always going to be a backup, albeit probably a solid serviceable backup. Uh, want nothing to do with Deion Jackson. Uh, Kenny Gainwell probably fits into the former description of probably will always be a third down change of pace guy. And I know that there's some mixed reviews on Antonio Gibson, not just this year, but last year and future years. Again, not very high on Antonio Gibson this year. And don't think uh, at $21, certainly he's someone that I covet. Sure. But the James Cook, young piece, Devin A. Chain, young piece, both of those fast, explosive offenses. This time next year, those guys can be the number ones in those offense offenses. And I really like that as a one-two punch, especially for the young guys. Maybe he adds another rookie in there with all his draft picks next year. So promising young room, but a lot of fat to cut from now until next year. Yeah, what I will say that I think is interesting is that the highest paid guy in that room is $21. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you're being a little harsh because there are guys that I would take this year. I don't think Jarek McKinnon makes it beyond this year. Like, I don't think he's contributing on a fantasy team after this year. I think he can this year, though. Um, an interesting guy to me is Kenny G because yeah. Rashad Penny is a year older next year. DeAndre Swift, who knows if he fits into the system there's a world, I think, where he has a bigger role next year. And if either of these very injury-prone guys gets hurt this year, you know, could be interesting. But again, this is a running back room that's being built on the premise that they're tanking. So does he want contribution this year? Or does he want to let these guys learn and grow and contribute next season on good contracts maybe after he's added a couple good players through the draft. So I agree with you if you're going into this season and saying, I'm going to compete with this running back room. No, you're you're not. But to say that there aren't any guys on this team that you'd want, uh, or there are very few, I, I think he's done a good job in structuring. I mean, I, I'm looking across the whole board. Outside of the QB room, the highest paid guy is $21. So that's going to be a theme, I think, in talking about Stevie, but... The running back room, you're going to be looking at Stevie this year and saying, is there going to be someone who emerges out of this group uh, as a second or third year player? Right. Um, I am I am high on Damian Harris. I did try and trade for him. Um, I still can trade for him. However, didn't, he get, didn't he just get hurt? He is banged up. I was about to say, he is banged up, and apparently Latavius Murray is like the goal line guy. So 
Um, Latab, good baby. Thing I did, good thing I didn't trade with Evil Stevie a month ago when I offered a third-round pick for him. But um, moving on to the receivers. Yeah, there's some fun names in here. Um, it's, a, it's ass. But. I, I, again, I like some of the guys, but I listen, we're talking about the team that went 2-12 and 12 last year, and we're... We'll get to the projections for this year, but we know is tanking. So yes, you got to be a little bit more strategic in the way that you assess these these positional rooms. But go ahead, talk about the wide receivers again. I think it's a similar story to the running back room. There's a lot of guys there. There's ten receivers. Uh, there's a handful of rookies, three handful of second, third year guys. Um, a few guys that I really like. Uh, a few guys that I'm not so interested in. Um, I will start at the top and say Christian Watson. Probably his number one receiver, uh, just based on what he did last year, as well as the overall depth of the room. I like Christian Watson. Uh, I think he sometimes gets a a bad rap for being a one-trick pony, not one-trick pony, if you will, but more of a gadget player as opposed to a complete receiver. Um, I just think Christian Watson is going to continue to excel as he learns the position more. Uh, Another guy that I'm very high on who's playing right now is Nico Collins. Uh, Probably will be the number one X in Houston. And then last, but certainly not least, in terms of rounding out the room that I like, is Elijah Moore. He's popped throughout training camp. I do like Elijah Moore. I think the change of senior is very good for him. However, in addition to that, you can make the case that there's guys like Darnell Mooney. There's guys like Adam Thielen. There's guys like Jalen Hyatt, young guy, who could all make some impact somewhere down the line. Again, the, the... Lease is a little bit shorter on Adam Thielen. One of his players is on the field right now. But, uh, oh, the booty man. But I, I do like, and I think Jalen Hyatt promising, especially for what he compliments to that Giants offense. Still has to figure some stuff out, though, so I wouldn't rely on him for this year. Um, and then Darnell Mooney, I think this is kind of the last year that uh, you hold on to him because he could pan out to being nothing. So uh, Watson, Elijah Moore. And Nico Collins is not a very bad one, two, three for a guy who is projected to go two and twelve. Yeah, I also think like if you can parse out the weeks that he does it, Shahidius is going to have blow up games. Again, we know Stevie doesn't want that, but if we're talking about these guys just in a vacuum and on any roster, Shahidius is interesting to me. Um, I agree, Darnell Mooney, this is like prove-it-year, contract-year. If you don't do anything, we're probably just throwing him in the trash. Uh, but and, interesting nonetheless. And interesting nonetheless. I, I wanted, I, I nominated the booty man. I only had a dollar left, and I and I nominated him. And Stevie stole him from me. I think he's, he's getting a lot of camp hype. Um, mm-hmm. So it could be interesting if his whole his talk about a roller coaster ride of like a from combine or I guess even really before that from like the beginning of the season to draft season this guy was first round talent or like maybe second round talent first round in corn at least at the mm-hmm. very least right. I think we mocked him to Brad like four or five overall uh, but um, an interesting guy for for a rebuilding team. Um, It'll be interesting, again, like you said, 10 guys, you're throwing darts when you're rebuilding, and I think Stevie has done it right. We will get into the tight end room. There's only two guys there, Pat Fryermuth for $4 and Noah Fant for $1. Take Kwamius. Thornton. Got a nice little seam ball. Sorry. Taekwamius animal. <laughs> uh, 
But we have Noah Fant, we have Pat Fryermuth, two guys who I think if you're talking about redraft are like undrafted or like. Uh-uh. But, <laughs> I mean, Fryermuth gets drafted. Okay, maybe. Well, like I mean, we'll see. I, I w- it would be interesting to see if he gets drafted in our league in in a couple weeks. Um, not much to say here. There was a point in time where that Fryermuth trade looked like an absolute fleece job, and I think maybe maybe it was for the the little bit of production that Keith got out of him in his run in the playoffs in year one. But um, I think he's plateaued a bit in his outlook. We know what he is now. I think, and we know what that offense probably their ceiling is. But I think a serviceable room, I don't know what Noah Fant is, to be honest with you. Like, is he the fifth option in that offense? Probably. I was going to say, Noah Fant is is probably not worth talking about because he's the fifth option at best. But I think you're a little bit too critical on Fryermuth. $4, young guy, entering his third year. I think the offense is actually going to take a step up. Uh, Penn State product, shout out Puglisi Brothers. See, I do care about you guys and Penn State. Um, I do think Friar Muth is a guy. They're who, not listening though. Maybe they'll go. Maybe maybe I have faith though that maybe Andrew will at least like once the season starts go back. Oh, he will. He, he told us. He told yeah, us. He yeah. has no. He has no problem with in season pods. It's all off season pods. No, but I'm saying, will he go and listen to the off season because he's because he's, he's in cor- season now. He's dehydrated of the corn. Yeah, you know, he's famished. Um, but I, I do think that Friar Muth is going to be a back end tight end one. Again, all those guys are the same after you get past the top three or four guys. So don't think on a weekly basis he's going to make that much of a difference. But for $4, I think Stevie is taking a very pragmatic approach to that room, similar to quarterbacks. Only get two quarterbacks, only get two tight ends, have a shit ton of running backs and wide receivers, and see what hits. Um, so, again, I think Stevie's doing it the right way. Uh, I might have been too critical on him. I think he has a lot of young pieces. Some guys could pop. We know that some guys won't. But overall, I don't think Stevie's going to make too much of an impact this year. I have him, same record as last year, 2-12. and 12. Who those two wins come against, I have zero clue. Uh, I might eat my words and lose to him again week one. I don't think that's going to happen. But I do think Evil Stevie will be 2-12 and 12 and a seller dweller for next year, locking up the number one overall pick. Yeah, I got him. I got him going 3-11. and 11. I'm giving him an extra win. Uh, I, I think... Let's let's take that out of the question. He wants to lose games, so I'm looking at Stevie as a project, as a multi-year project, and I like where it's headed. Just to wrap up the tight end room, I wouldn't be surprised actually if if neither of these guys are the starter for his team next year. I think there is some heavily paid tight ends that are going to go back into the vet next year, and if Stevie thinks that his rookies, and maybe his second-year guys can make some noise. I could see him making a splash at tight end in the vet next year. We'll see. Um, having bolstered his other rooms through the rookie draft. So I think 3-11, and 11, I do think he secures that number one overall pick and the rebuild. I think it puts the co- whoever the coach of Evil Stevie is is going to be on the hot seat starting next season. Or, or like they're going to start being judged as a, as a coach next year. Ooh, that's what you, don't you think? Like they're gonna have the pieces. To that's what we should do. We should name a coach, coach, a coach <laughs> yeah. and they have to be actors. Like they, Ma- Matt Damon is the head coach of HHC. They have to be actors. Male? Do they have to be male actors? Have to be real people, male actors. Okay. Or actually, why actors? Can they be just real people? 
any person. You could have any person. You as could your nominate coach. anyone as your head coach. And you and like this is good. We're gonna we're gonna bring this yeah, into yeah, the group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like you can f- you can publicly Fu- fire your <laughs> coach. <laughs> and extend them. Yeah, starting this year. Let's fucking do. It. We should have done this three years ago, but. Uh, Matt Damon is the head coach at ACC. Everyone will have to name a head coach before the season. It could be a real coach, but it has to be a real person. It has to be a real human being. Do they have to be alive? Yeah, they have to be alive. Um, no good, dead people. Good. Because, because, yeah. yeah, 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 it has to be alive. Fine, that's the one stipulation. Yeah, it has to be they, real. They and have alive. to be real and alive. They don't be... have to be mobile. <laughs> they could be in prison. Oh, like Andrew Hawkins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you someone who, who had Henry Ruggs three to ten years. I think my daddy count. Oh no, actually, Boats did that scum. Is it Boats? I yeah, think it typical. Did. Yeah. Um, I like this though. Yeah, um, coaches, coaches. Yeah, uh, we got sure. a little sidetracked, but Stevie, a very thorough breakdown. We'll have to get his feedback on what he thinks about what we had to say about his players. But um, moving forward, pin. The team that we will talk about next finished four and ten. They were eighth in points scored, so they had more points than the following two teams that we will speak about at sixteen hundred and ninety-five points. We'll be talking about the four and ten New Orleans Saints. Uh, Pin. Before we get into the positional rooms, I know you have a vendetta out against this team you say you won't you say you don't um but i'm gonna let you kind of you know so we can have an objective conversation about the players i'm gonna let you get it all out go on a little bit of a tirade just just start it off with a little preview overview there there's no tirade there's no vendetta um oh he's you're about facing right now it's this big brother little brother type of complex and i i I truly think that just growing up around both owners, Zach and Roop, that that type of bond has formed, and it's all playful, and it's all fun, and uh, I think for good reason, my older brother is not in this league, so we need some older brother uh, rivalry for young Wah, and I think JOS kind of fills that void. Now, is there a rivalry because we play each other twice a year in the same division? Absolutely. Is there a rivalry because I came back from 40 points down on Monday night and Stefan Diggs scored 44? Yeah, there's a rivalry. Uh, is there a rivalry because we chirp each other constantly over stuff not related to fantasy? Absolutely. But I could objectively break down his team and say, I'm actually shocked that he was 4-10 and 10 last year. I'm actually shocked that we're talking about him in the bottom four teams. And I think he is a legit contender for the playoffs. And if he gets in... He could make a run very similar to Snake Eyes last year because he's got a bunch of good pieces that we're about to get into. Um, most notably, the MVP of the league. All right. If you're listening, blink twice if Gino is overcompensating for his non-hatred of JOS. Uh, but I, you know what? I, I do tend to agree with a lot of what you've said. Uh, we did a weekly pod last season. Um recapping the prior week's matchups and projecting uh, the upcoming week's matchups. And very often, JOS found themselves losing the game with like the third or fourth most points scored on Mm -hmm. the week. I was surprised to see that they finished with the eighth most points. I really thought that 
it would have been top half of the league. Well, I think it was a it was a back. You said half. there was a tank job situation Not a tank going on. Job, but the past three weeks, if you look at JOS, I'll break it down for you real quick. Uh, JOS in the last three weeks, seventy one points, ass. Seventy nine points, also, ass. Did they deal with injury like any big injuries down the stretch? One eighteen, hang on, and then one eighteen. So. There was four weeks, 11 to 14. He didn't break 120. Yeah, you're averaging the, like 100 points. 95, then, yeah. 100 points. Right, exactly. Which which makes his point total even more, their point total even more impressive even more when impressive, you break right, that down. Exactly. Um, I don't know if he had any major injuries. I know that Michael Pittman kind of fell off. Michael Thomas got hurt all year. Um, but I don't know if there was any major injuries that kind of deterred uh, JOS from being on that path that he was early on in the year. Yeah. Well, let's get into it. Uh, like we said, they were 4-10 and 10 last year looking to make a jump this year with some pretty big additions in the vet draft. We'll start with the quarterback room. And just a note, a much more balanced approach, and I think this is going to be probably typical of the teams that are seeing themselves as competing, uh, much more balanced in terms of like how many guys in each positional room they have, uh, as opposed to Stevie, who only has two quarterbacks and two tight ends, and then like a shitload of running backs and wide receivers. So uh, JOS has five quarterbacks on the roster. The main highlight, the $99, the most expensive man in the league, which is funny. He should be that in the real NFL, but he's not. Uh, $99 Patrick Mahomes. Um, I will go ahead and say that his number two is Trevor Lawrence uh, at $25, Derek Carr at three for 11, and then Baker Mayfield at four and Aiden O'Connell at one. Uh, Gino, give me your take and I'll kind of, I'll bounce off of that when it comes back my way. Yeah, I think it's simple. I think it's the best quarterback room in the league. I think you have the best player in the league. Uh, Granted, this format favors the running quarterbacks more than the passing quarterbacks. However, I don't think you could deny what Patrick Mahomes bring to you on a week brings to you on a weekly uh, table. Trevor Lawrence, why <laughs> weekly table <laughs> and a weekly presence? I don't know. I'm tr- fighting for the words. As you can tell. Gino apparently is on a three beer, a three beer limit tonight. And this is my third. Uh, Trevor Lawrence scored over 309 points last year. I agree with you. He's going to be the clear number two. I think he's going to be a back-end QB1, maybe a QB9, QB10 sort of range. But you have to understand, you have a huge asset in Derek Carr. You have quarterback-needy and quarterback-hungry teams out in the league. JOS's uh, resistance to trade Derek Carr for even a second has been kind of shocking because he could pick up that draft capital and then turn that in to future young stars. So I think that's been a thorn in JOS's size the past two years. Let's see if it plays out. But on a a week-in and week-out basis, Trevor Lawrence and Patrick Mahomes are going to be the starters, and Derek Carr will only start two weeks, week nine and week 10, when those two respectively have a bye. So I think JOS is not optimizing his assets currently, uh, but he still does have the best two quarterbacks from a starting weekly basis. Yeah, I mean, I think... If you're looking at it like it doesn't translate at all, but yes, in in some in a super flex redraft, you wouldn't want to have this QB room. It's too many guys. But in our dynasty format, like Derek Carr is a trade piece. If there's another injury, trade him. It, no, but I'm just but but you could wait until there's inevitably a QB injury. There could be a QB injury on this team. Um, so I I don't think you can ever have too many quarterbacks. 
What I will say is interesting. I, I heard someone talking about this today. Like there is a big difference when scoring goes from six point passing touchdowns to four point passing touchdowns. And it really affects a guy like Trevor Lawrence, who's not necessarily known for, he can move, he's athletic and he can move, but he's not a rushing guy. Um, so where I do agree with you that he's like definitely in the top 10 in six point passing, it'll be interesting to see like if he scores enough touchdowns this season to really make that jump into the elite category. But either way, like you mentioned, I don't know if it's the best QB room, but it it damn well competes to be in that conversation. So would you say it's the strongest room that they have? Uh, by far. You, you know Trevor Lawrence had five rushing touchdowns last year, right? Yeah, but I'm I'm talking about like... Scrambling ability? Yeah. Like yeah. adding yards. Yeah, like design run. Yeah. 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 Well, no, yeah, like if you rush for 100 yards versus 500 yards, that's 40 right. points. Uh, it's, it's substantial. So there are only a few guys that do that in a, in a season, but when you're not rewarding a guy who could throw for 40 touchdowns with the extra six points, it's or the extra two points a touchdown, it, it makes a difference. Yeah. I definitely think it's the strongest room. Um I think the running back room is is also very competitive. So if you want to get into that yeah, go one right ahead. as well. Um, I think two years ago when we were having the startup vet draft, Jay West probably would have been the first one to tell you that the investment that he put in Najee at the time, who was a rookie, uh, made a lot of sense. Rookie running back, uh, strong franchise at the time, had a pretty good offense. Uh, I know two years ago and last year it wasn't great, but... Uh, at the time when they did this draft, coming off that year, it was good. Um, it played out that Najee Harris is probably the RB3 uh, last year and might be the RB2 this year, just depending on how things play out. Yeah. Um, and he's $57, so you, you almost have to question how long he stays on this team. Uh, but he's locked in for this year. I think Najee Harris is a much better year than he does last year. Um, so, again, improvement from the 233 total that he scored. Um, but a $3 Ramondre Stevenson should be on JOS for a lifetime contract. Yep. And then his first round pick last year in the 2022 corn draft, rookie draft, uh, Ken Walker had a great rookie year, although he faces some more competition now. So I uh, don't really love the outlook that Kenneth Walker is dealing with. I love him as a player. I like the offense that he's in, but Zach Charbonnet steps in, Ken Walker steps in. Now we drafted uh, it's going to be in more 11 personnel, spread them out. So there are some concerns there. I do like the pickup in the rookie draft of Tank Bigsby. Uh, not if anything happens to ETM, but just as a compliment to him. And guys like Raheem Mostert can be the number one in Miami on any given week. It's just a very unpredictable uh, turnstile, if you will, in terms of that running back room. Yeah, that's a good breakdown. And I'll say this, like... It- I'm okay. Like, if you again, it's it's an interesting practice. Like to to <laughs> to look at redraft and say if you started your draft with like a stud wide receiver, right? Like if you if you're in the two hole or the the one or two hole, and you go with Justin Jefferson, and then Najee is your wide receiver or your running back one, like it's not the end of the world. And so, like, to say that you have Najee and Ramondre and the potential for Kenneth Walker to be what he was last year, um, 
I agree with you. This this is a strong room, uh, and I think the key the key sort of questions are going to be: Is the Tank Bigsby hype real, or are people blowing that out of the water as they tend to do in in preseason and rookie camp and stuff and camp in general? And then two, what is the Kenneth Walker role? Mm-hmm. Like, what? How does that Seattle backfield shake out? Because if if he's even you know, if he's seventy five percent of what he was last year, and then you pair that with Ramondre and Najee, that's that's pretty scary. It is room. Or it's a it's a or it's I would say it's consistently like forty five point. You'll essentially 40. have three number two running backs. Yeah, and yeah. and that's pretty valuable. You can then say I don't have to start four wide receivers if I don't want to. So. I, I hadn't really taken a look at this room, and, and now we're doing the breakdown. It's it's nice to do this, but uh, yeah, they have three solid, solid guys with you know with potential for a guy like Raheem to take the job. I don't think Bigsby's taking the job, but he can contribute. So deepish room with with good upside. Uh, paired that with the with the QB room. Uh, let's let's talk about wide receivers though, because that is our next room. I. I think I don't know if would you no the tight end room is the weakness but this is not necessarily a strength at the moment nine current receivers on this roster um I got a little bit of heat for calling Terry McLaurin a quote-unquote bad pick I backed it up with some rationale uh if, if you're starting from the top in terms of who he's going to start on a weekly basis or who they are going to start on a weekly basis I have to watch my pronouns it is 2023 <laughs> yes thank you um, Penn. I would say number one is Jalen Waddle, and again, kind of comparing to redraft, he is kind of that back end wide receiver one, high end wide receiver two. So, um, yes, you, you could definitely make the case that JOS doesn't have a quote unquote alpha wide receiver one. However, he has a lot of nice depth. I think it's very similar to the running back room if you think about it. There's two or three number two running back twos. There's about two or three wide receiver twos on this team. So you have Jalen Waddle. Um, I, I expect big things from Terry McLaurin this year, somewhat limited by the upside of his quarterback. Um, and then Michael Pittman had a, a disastrous season last year. I think the Colts had a disastrous season last year. He failed to put up 200 points. I think he's going to exceed that total this year and be a solid contributor as a wide receiver three. Who, who else do you have in the slot? High upside guys and young guys. Jahan Dotson, great rookie season, could take that next step up. Zay Flowers getting a lot of hype running back. I can't buy my Zay Flowers. And then a guy who has just failed to stay healthy all year, all career, or not career, but past two years, Michael Thomas. If he could stay healthy. He's dust. If he could stay healthy, you have to like his upside. But another guy that we're not talking about is Van Jefferson. I know you're very happy that I said that. He could be the number two in that LA Rams offense. So yeah, I'm not happy to hear that. If you look at it, if you look at it, there was about two or three solid receivers, and then there's about two or three guys that on any given week, and I think you can go across the board with multiple teams, any given week, you could plug and play, and this guy could pop. I think what comes down to JOS is when to start him, and then obviously when those guys um, actually end up producing, because <laughs> there's a very good chance that uh, Jahan Dotson pops, but he's going to be on the bench. There's a very good yeah. chance that Zay Flowers pops, but he might be on the bench. So that's going to be the struggle that JOS and them have to deal with every year, every week. You know, I'm, I'm listening to you break this down. What's interesting is like, it's a great <laughs> whether, whether it's intentional or not, they have a type. 
you have you have Zay Flowers, you have Michael Pittman, you have Jalen Waddle. These are, I mean, Michael Pittman's a big guy, but he, correct me if I'm wrong, he plays in the slot. No, Jalen Waddle and Zay Flowers are more similar than the Michael Pittman. It's Michael a hot, Pittman. Jahan plays that role. Jahan does, yeah. Michael Pittman's more of like the X. Um, yeah, on that yeah. Team. No, but I mean, like they they have a like a volume guys, right? I, I would say more so than like those big shot like big play touchdown guys. Mm-hmm. So we're not PBR, but I mean, I think a lot of nice high floor players on this wide receiver right. room. Um, who who would you say is your favorite contract in this wide receiver room? Uh, I th- think if it was up to me, it'd be Jalen Waddle at thirteen dollars. Oh a cop yeah, out. I feel like that's an easy one. Um, Let's say without that in- right, included. Right, without that, um, it, it gets a little trickier. I, I'd probably say either the first year or the second year guy, Jahan and Zay Flowers, mm-hmm. but. Um, you could certainly make the case, certainly make the case that eighteen dollar Michael Pittman, with a rookie quarterback who has now a gun, um, could yield you two, three years of production, and you're not paying more than thirty nine, forty dollars for him over the next three, four years. So, uh, what next year he's going to be twenty four? The year after he'll be twenty six. So, um, I'm sorry, twenty four and twenty eight. So he's not going to be that expensive in three years' time. So. I think if you if you squeeze the value out of Michael Pittman over the next two three years while you have a ninety nine dollar Patrick Mahomes, that could end up being the most efficient contract. But again, remains to be seen. Yeah, I, I like. Uh, I mean, it's it's always hard to sift through like what's camp hype and what's not. But I watched him. You know, I, I wasn't at in school with him, but I I do watch the games. Like Zay Flowers is a beast, and I think like. The Ravens haven't had this type of guy the last couple seasons that I think Lamar can really like lean on for that like underneath route. Um, I don't know. I, I think he's going to be an interesting guy to watch and could very well after year one. I bet him plus 950 to have the most passing yard or most receiving yards out of the rookies. Mm-hmm. Uh I wouldn't be surprised if we're going into year two and, and like him and Njigbias are talked about the same way. Could be. Um, I know they were one and two in the probably. In the, uh, were they? I don't know. My point is he's exciting. Uh, he's a good building block. I think. Um, in a in a room full of guys who I think have good floors, but we we probably know what their ceiling is outside of Jalen Waddle. Mm-hmm. All right, tight ends. He's got four. They've got four on the roster. We we alluded to this, but I think it's the clear weakness. Um, you know, you have the. You have Trey McBride, you have Sam Laporta, the young guns. I mean, I guess Kate Otten fits into that group too. And then you have Tyler Higby, who I tend to believe is going to be the second read in this Rams offense. Um, you mentioned Van Jefferson. Yeah, he's going to be the number two receiver. But uh, I think Higby is a safety net guy. Like he's He's been in the offense for years. Stafford can, can lean on him. I think there's a world where Tyler Higby is is getting seven targets a game, and he and he's averaging something like four or five for forty a, a week, which in our which in our league I think is like probably eight nine points, which you'll take. Um, sprinkling a couple touchdowns, he's got some upside, but generally speaking, 
JOS does not have a tight end at the moment uh, who they can lean on for probably big, massive spike weeks. No, I agree with you. I, I think that it is the weakness of this roster. Pin, 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 pin. Speak into the mic. It is the weakness of this roster. Um, however, I am very, very high on Sam Laporte. I tried to trade up in the— This year or, like, career-wise? Both. I, I, I am super high on Sam Laporte this year. I, I Look, it's tight end to you, Iowa, and George Kittle, Hawkinson, Noah Fant, like, they, they've proven that. You, you could be an effective tight end relatively early in your career, despite what DMP and EP says. So um, I think Sam Laporta is the number one tight end in Detroit. I think he's going to have a great year. Um, does he have his best year as a rookie? No. Will there be some growing pains? Yes. I do think, though, that if JOS is able to get solid production from this room and he's able to get a little bit of a more you know uh, consistent production from his wide receiver three and his RB three, this four and 10 could be a seven and seven, eight and six competing for playoffs. Um, and I do think that the tight end room could be the Achilles heel if he just doesn't get to production week in and week out. Um, I don't see it. I, I think Sam LaPorta is going to have a good year. Um, he will replace Tyler Higby in the starting lineup. Kate Otten's just pretty much a cut candidate and Trey McBride, um, depending on when, Kyler comes back. Could be interesting in the second year. Uh, all that to say, I do think JOS will be improved upon his 4-10. and 10. I do think he will be competing for a playoffs. I do think he will ultimately come short. They will ultimately come short at 7-7 seven and seven, 2023. I have them getting that all-important extra win, finishing at 8-6, and six, which I believe we had 8-6 and six playoff teams last season. Three of them. Three of them. So, yeah. I mean, if 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 you're eight and six, you're in the playoffs. Uh, that's what I'm hearing. If the if there's, you know, if there's a couple of really bad teams that are tanking and competing for that number one spot, eight and six definitely gets you across the finish line. I just think there's too much on this roster, and you know, fantasy analysts talk about regression for players and stuff, but I think like they have to start getting. I don't even think lucky, but like fairly rewarded for the output of their players. I think this is the season that it happens. Eight and six. And, you know, once you're in the in the playoffs with guys like Mahomes and Waddle and, you know, some of these explosive names on your roster, you never know what can happen. So, you know, we're talking about them second, which is shocking. Um, but I do think that JOS punches their first ticket to the corn playoffs, uh, a big improvement and potentially a team that is a perennial contender after this season. So, so you have JOS beating you twice this year. Nice. I, I, it didn't say that, but I, I'm not excited to see them on the roster uh, or on the schedule. That's, that's for sure. Um, our next team, uh, they finished last season with a five and nine record. They had 1,489 points, finishing 10th in points scored on this season. Uh, we are talking about Motley Jew. Um, they had, I believe, the most picks in the rookie draft. Uh, they had money to spend in the vet draft. Pinmius, what's your, uh, your general consensus about Motley Jew? I think they're ass. Uh, I think them, JOS, and the Phantoms, who we'll talk about next week, only three teams to not make the playoffs ever. 
and I don't think that is going to change this year for Mr. Motley. Uh, I, I'll give them credit. I think last year they, they established early, hey, we are not going to be competitive. Let's try and trade as many assets as we can. and uh, Sorry, many players as we can, acquire as many assets as we can, and be competitive for the future. They did a pretty good job of that. I will give them that. <clears throat> Jesus, I'm dying. I will give Motley credit. Um, I think what they did in the offseason, not only from a rebuild roster standpoint, but from a cap structure and efficiency standpoint, was was very, very good, very, very solid. Uh, and you saw that in the vet draft. They had a lot of money to spend on three roster spots, and they, they added some impact players. Um, similar to JOS, I think Motley has a very strong uh, quarterback room, also similar to Evil Stevie, despite their outlook for 2023 and their previous record. Um, Aaron Rodgers entering a new season. Dak Prescott for only $53. And I say only 53. He's a back-end QB1, but he's going to throw for a ton of touchdowns. He's going to throw for a ton of yards. He's a guy you want as your starting quarterback. And then Brock Purdy for $2 this year. Um, could be the starter week in and week out over a Dak Prescott, over an Aaron Rodgers, depending, obviously, on the schedule. So, Love the quarterback room for Motley Jew, not to mention you have a $22 Ryan Tannehill, although obviously you tried to trade him, probably won't start for you. <clears throat> and if Baker is ass, which we all know Baker is ass, Kyle Trask could win the job. So Motley Jew could be looking at five starting quarterbacks heading into week one. Kind of unprecedented. I, I don't envision it happening, but I think this quarterback room is very, very strong for Motley Jew. Let me ask you a question. Yes. Where do you think... Dak Prescott finished last season. QB 14. QB 20. Wow. He missed a couple games. Okay, what about let's, let's, see his, let's see his points per game. 11 points per game. So, I, I didn't realize he, he missed five games. Um, I don't... We, maybe we just have different opinions on Dak. I don't, I don't think he's a QB 1. Um, mm, back end QB 1. Sure, but I all and like so. I don't like Dak. I don't like Brock Purdy. I think that the Aaron Rodgers real world QB performance is going to be far better than what he does from a fantasy perspective. So yes, while you say that there might be five guys who can start in this QB room. Who's the QB one in the in the room? Um, Dak. Dak. Yeah, I I don't love that uh, when you're talking, especially about like I said, a four point passing touchdown league. A lot of pocket passers on this offense, and I think there's guys who can do better from an NFL quarterback standpoint than they can from a fantasy standpoint so sure they have five guys who will start in the NFL and maybe they can dump one of them off if there's an injury or if there's a, a QB desperate team but to me for the money that's being spent in this room uh they're not going to get the output that they probably are paying for so it, it'll be interesting maybe I'll eat my words on a on an Aaron Rodgers I think he's the the one who has potential to outperform here but uh, generally speaking, and we'll go through the rest of the rooms, I don't know if it's a strength or not. Um, but again, I, I also don't know how many strengths 
this team has. So uh, well, I, I started off by saying they're not going to make the playoffs. So I, I don't yeah, think, yeah, no, I'm again, not arguing you. I'm arguing the yes, the roster. Similar to Evil Stevie, when we're quote unquote bashing him, there, there's a reason. Yeah, you're why. tanking. I mean, you've, you've had three years now, two and a half years now to to build a roster. I mean, when was the vet draft? Two years ago today. Well, we're um, not bashing him. We're 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 talking about realistic outcomes. And when you're tanking, like you want us to bash you. Yeah, I mean, I don't think Motley is in the. No, no, they're not. Stevie, we're talking about Stevie. Yes, yeah, I, I don't think Motley, Motley thinks they're competing. Right. I, I, again, I agree. Um, I don't know if Motley is going to be a 500 team this year, but moving on. Yeah. Uh, why don't you? Start talking about the running backs because there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten on the roster, and four of them are rookies. Uh, a few of them that I like, a few of them that I don't like. Uh, a few of them are second-year players. One of them is a fat ass, Zeke Elliott. Um, so st- the the Zeke to the Jets is heating up. By the oh way, God, he's an he's ass. Just cut him. Um, I will say that this running back room, in my opinion, is the weakness on the team. Uh, I don't think we'll get many objection there. I think starting off, if you were Motley Jew, put yourself in his shoes. Uh, who are your two starting running backs week in and week out? As of right now, it would be your $51 purchase in the vet draft, Aaron Jones. Number two, in my opinion, would be first-team all-hype, Jameer Gibbs. I do like Jameer Gibbs as a rookie. I think he's going to be a phenomenal player. Um, worry about his usage uh, in terms of touchdown production. I think he's going to get a ton of catches, ton of screens, ton of swings. Uh, don't know how many touchdowns he's going to score, but I do like Jameer Gibbs, the player. Outside of that, the only player that I would start week in and week out is Isaiah Pacheco. What about he, Aaron Jones? You were taking a piss. He's my number one. Oh, sorry. Sorry, 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 sorry. I was taking a piss. And it's Jameer Gibbs. Draining the main vein. Outside of those two players, it's Isaiah Pacheco, and Isaiah Pacheco's already dealing with a shoulder injury, and Isaiah Pacheco already runs pretty hard. And Isaiah Pacheco already kind of has competition in the backfield. So a game lost here or there, and instead of Isaiah Pacheco being the guy down the stretch, it could be Prince, it could be Clyde, it could be Jarek McKinnon. So I don't love Isaiah Pacheco's outlook this year. Neither do I. Um, compared to, you know, four or five months ago. Now there's a, some some dart throws out there. The Chase Browns of the world... Uh, the Taji Spears of the world, the Jalen Warrens of the world. But I don't think any of these guys are going to be weekly contributors. I think this running back room is very, very thin. I think it's relying on big type of home run plays. I just don't think he's going to get consistently enough of them. I don't love this running back room for Molly Joe. Yeah, you know what? It's funny. Before I get into the my view on the running back room, that's two pods in a row where we've had a little bit of a faux pas with Aaron Jones. Uh, <laughs> uh, I was talking about him for about three minutes, and and you mean Kyler Murray? Uh, oh, I still- uh, yeah. And Ben me thought I was talking about Kyler Murray, but I just wanted to take a piss. I agree with you. He is the clear running back one in that room. I love Jameer Gibbs, but as Pin goes for his fourth beer. Uh, can you grab me one, actually? I um, I love Jamirius, and I think he's going to be a stud. I fear that in our format, half PPR, he, I think he underwhelms. I think you're starting him week in and week out, but you're going to have some envy when he catches nine, ten passes in a game for 
60 yards and you're looking over at the guy who has him in PPR and he's going off and and in our league he's sort of you know running back 10 so I think he's gonna be great but I'm, I'm worried that his upside is capped in our format like you said beyond that you know, you only have to start two running backs in our league, but they are the position that gets hurt the most, and you want depth. Uh, I don't love Isaiah Pacheco's outlook this year. I think they're going to run a, a probably pure committee over mm-hmm. there. Um, I, yeah, I think Chase, <laughs> I think Chase Brown is interesting though. He's uh, not though. He's not even above fucking Travion Williams. Apparently, I know, but that's what they say. It, 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 nobody knows. He's like a Chase Brown's like a basher, right? Like he's a big boy. He's just not going to be a weekly starter. No, no, NFL, but um, but like, corn, but, but if anything. you say if you say Joe Mixon is on his last year with the team, I don't know. He, he, I'm trying to find something interesting in oh. in this room with with one old kind of staple, and then and then a bunch of just like young kind of potential guys. So I agree with you probably the weakness although we're gonna make our move right now into the wide receiver room I don't know how much stronger it is like I would at least say I would at least say there is a more obvious number one in the running back room than there is in the wide receiver room yes but there's more quality depth receiver room so sure depends what you care uh, about I think when we were talking about JOS we looked at his receiver room and said not a one Bunch of really solid twos. And I think you can say the same about Motley Jew. You know, I think the best receiver on this team right now, Jerry Judy, Mari Cooper, they're both kind of right there. Uh, but they're they're not number one receivers. They're number two receivers. So I think you have Amari Cooper, Jerry Judy. Uh, you also have guys like Calvin Ridley and Kadarius Tony who could pop on any given week, although we don't really know about Calvin Ridley. He's been hyping it up in training camp, but he hasn't played in a year and a half. And then we have rookies like Jordan Addison, who's been great. Jonathan Mingo, who's been getting love. Second-year guy Romeo Dobbs has been getting a lot of love. And Tank Dell, the young slot guy. So I look at this receiver room and say, I'm, I'm relatively envious of the depth and the youth and the inexpensive contracts that are allocated to these guys. But to your point, there is no alpha. You know, there is no digs. There is no him. So... Who is your, who is your number one in because I think there's a, there's I, I think, a conversation to be had here. I think Jerry Judy is, but I think Amari really? Cooper might out. I mean, Amari Cooper outproduced Jerry Judy last year by forty points. I don't think that gap is going to be as wide. If Amari Cooper outproduces Jerry Judy this year, it's going to be by 10, 12, 15 points. So yeah, make your case for Amari Cooper or Jerry Judy. Well, you don't. I I tend to agree that he's getting overhyped, but you don't agree. You don't even think Calvin Ridley's in that conversation. Uh no. Okay. I, no, I tend to agree that he's... Can he finish as a wide receiver one? Yes. Is that an indictment on the previous two guys, or is that hyping up Calvin Sure. Ridley? A good point. I, I would say the former. Um, but you look at a guy like Kadarius Tony. He can't stay healthy. He's already hurt. You look at a guy like Jordan Addison, and I, I love the player of Jordan Addison. I just think on his own team, he's never going to be the one. So it's very, very hard for guys like T. Higgins, Jalen Waddell, those guys of the world to ever, ever be a, a wide receiver one workhorse. And I think Joe Renatis is the same thing, and he struggles to score touchdowns. So you got a lot of wide receiver twos and wide receiver threes. It's not a bad thing, but it's not necessarily a great thing. Um, I do think this room is much stronger uh, 
uh, head to toe than the running back. Yeah, I, I think I just kind of glanced. I think after breaking it down, it is definitely stronger. But um, when you when you look at the entire team makeup, I want at least one of the unless you're strong across the board, which. I don't know that we can say that. If you're not strong across the board, I want one of my rooms to be head and shoulders above everyone else. And yes, this room is better than the the running back room, but it's not substantially better. Um, We're going to get to the records in in just a few seconds, but uh, yeah, it's going to, I'm struggling on this roster to see where like the studs are. Right. And, and, and maybe that's fine if you, have a good plan moving forward in the draft and the vet, but we'll see. Um, and then you move into the tight end room, which, you know, you can make a case now for this being their best room. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think that would be a stretch with Dalton Schultz and Darren Waller, both players who are getting really, really solid camp press. We know Darren Waller, what he can be. Um, I think it's probably the piece that was missing from that Giants offense. I think he's going to – he he has the potential, I think, to see 10 targets a game, like on average. Um, and then Dalton Schultz, I think, going to Houston, being the potential um, like security blanket for Mr. Not Him, who had a horrific preseason one game, by the way um, – I, I think this is a strength. I think this is uh you probably you're gonna start Darren Waller weekly, but if he, but if Dalton Schultz has a better matchup, you can plug him in probably pretty confidently. Hundred percent. I mean, let's say this about Darren Waller and I'm not coming at it from Giants fanboy. Um he's a talent. He is a freak. He's a fucking baller. He does turn thirty one. Uh, week one of the NFL season, and he has struggled certainly the past few years to stay healthy for a full 17-game or 16-game season. Uh, If he does stay healthy for even 14 games, this is a tight end one. This is your tight end four, five, six, seven on the year, no questions asked. Yeah, which Uh, isn't saying much, but... Go ahead. That'll give you a weekly advantage. I mean, he's not going to be the Kelsey Mark Andrews of the world. I know that. But he will certainly be a top four or five. He won't be a detriment to your roster. No, 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 no. Not at all, especially for $10. You combine these two guys together, it's still $5 cheaper than Ryan Tannehill. That also says something about the room, and it also says something about uh, the rebuild approach, which, again, is I have to commend Motley Jew for what they did. They got a lot younger. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven rookies on this team out of 25 guys. Um, it's pretty damn good. And I think Motley Jew is saying, look, we're just going to get very cheap in this tight end room. One of them's going to hit. There could be weeks where Dalton Schultz does outproduce Darren Waller. There could be weeks that Darren Waller doesn't play, but hoping and optimistically that he does play all 16, 17 games, Darren Waller will be, in my opinion, a top five tight end. Um, I do think that it is is going to be enough some weeks, some weeks, keyword, to cover up the inefficiencies at running back and wide receiver or that second flex. Um, I just don't know if it's enough for Motley Jew to be competitive for a playoff, and I, I don't think that Motley Jew will end up with a winning record in 2023. What do you have them finishing at? 
slight improvement from last year, I think. Uh, maybe not. I have them going five and nine. Oh, you changed it. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Slight improvement from last year. I have them going six and eight. Um, I do think that they are better than last year, and I do think that the division that they're in actually has taken a step back. So Agreed. I think there is some upset. And and look at what Motley Jew did last year. It was like week 10, week 11, he started playing spoiler. That's the Motley Jew we know. That's spoiler. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, He's going to play spoiler week 13. I think that, like you mentioned just a few moments ago, that I, I like what they did in the rookie draft and, and what they've been doing in rookie drafts. Uh, that being said, there's a reason why they had so many rookie picks. Um, I think that these are guys that they're going to be exciting to watch for the duration of the season and who will probably have some flash games. But I think we're going to see a lot more of the same uh, from Motley Jew. I think they finished 5-9. and nine. But... The big caveat there is that going into next season, if they do, they have their pick, their draft pick this year. I think they. Do. I think they're one of the few that does. If they can add a piece, uh, probably in that running back room would be where I would say they would need it. Uh, maybe a quarterback. If I know next year's draft is supposed to be strong there, um, I think look out for Motley in twenty twenty four. But five and nine for me on the projection. Uh, I, I just don't think enough of a big play, big kind of stud guy was added to their team to to really make a difference. Our final team. We got it. We got to hurry. We're on an hour. Yeah, but this is fine. The, these episodes are meant to be long. Uh, okay. I should have told my fiance that. <laughs> are you getting fucking Gino? No, I said immediately eight. back in the doghouse. No, no, no. I mean, you all know Gino time. I said eight. It's eight thirty. If you're there by nine, you're fine. I shouldn't have to worry an ounce about yeah, this type of thing. You're fine, and it's a I'm short fine. commute. Uh, our next team, <laughs> and it's the shrimp. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, you ruined my spoiler. Uh, the next team, they went six and eight. I'm still gonna do it. They had fourteen seventy eight. Uh, the 11th most points in the league. They had some, as they tend to do, thrilling wins using their shrimp powers. Uh, I believe they got the consensus best dra- vet draft rating from the yes. co-hosts. Um, we'll see what that means for their season, but we are talking about the shrimp. Pin Mias is a little scared about the time, so I'll let him get right into it. I believe this is the team with the least amount of players on their roster. Is that? Am I? I'm. Lo- oh no, that's a lie. Oh, Pin Mias is not scared. Uh, White Water Wah is never scared. Uh, so you look at the shrimp, and I think a lot of people about two, three months ago were saying, "Cellar Dweller." He's going to get the number one overall pick. His team is ass. And what he was able to do in the past three weeks since the vet draft, uh, I think has moderately improved his team, not materially improved his team. Uh, He was able to go out and get a $45 Kyler Murray to add to his uh, inexpensive, albeit thin, quarterback room with the two Lions, Jared Goff and Hendon Hooker. Side note. Hend me is... Would not be surprised at all if the shrimp signed Teddy Bridgewater for a dollar because he recently signed with the Lions. I, I did. I saw a report that said that Hendmius is behind on his recovery, which 
I think Shrimp knew going in that he wasn't making an impact this right. year, but you never want to see that. Right, but what the Shrimp did, and then we'll get into it room by room, but starting with the quarterback room, is is he got a little bit more competitive, not just for this year, but for beyond. And I, I think if the Shrimp does it pragmatically, which, again, remains to be seen, um, could right the ship a little bit sooner than people were expecting. And I think it starts and ends with the quarterback room. He's got $49 allocated to Kyler Murray and Jared Goff. Um, assuming that Kyler Murray misses the first few weeks of the season but kind of avoids the pup, comes back in that early October, late September phase, um, it will be a nice one-two punch. And I think that's been a constant theme of the bottom four teams that we've talked about. Uh, despite their bad record in 2023, despite their somewhat pessimistic outlook on 2023, uh, they, they do have a nice one-two punch at quarterback. So I think Jared Goff, high-octane offense, will be, in my opinion, a high-end QB2. And Kyler Murray, when healthy, we all know what he's capable of doing. Again, a low-end QB1 when healthy. I like this quarterback room for the Shrimp, not just for this year, but for beyond. I'm curious to see what you think because Jared Goff is a former Los Angeles Tramp. I love Jared Goff. I mean, the the trade that was made between the Lions and the Rams obviously gave us the ability to win a Super Bowl. That being said... If there were a world, I don't think I don't know that Jared Goff can win a Super Bowl. But if there were a world where I knew that he could, I'd rather have him. I think right now, uh, in terms of like franchise outlook, than than uh, Matthew Stafford. I think Stafford's got one more good year in him. But I like what Goff can do. We know that he can manage a game. But back to fantasy purposes, he is going to be, I would say, as rock solid of a starter as you can get in in fantasy I think he's probably 18 point floor uh probably averaging somewhere around 20 points a week I think his ability to really pop off is probably low um but he's going to be very consistent in an offense that I think is going to score a lot of points so absolutely Goff is a, like you mentioned about someone earlier, he's a career guy. He, he's on that roster until he retires from he's the NFL. Yeah, he's a shrimp. He's a shrimp. Uh, unless he trades him for a haul. Um, he's a sell, he's, he will always be a shellfish. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Goff, big time. I think Goff and Shrimp would probably be friends in real in <laughs> in real life. What obvious? It, it, what's obvious in this quarterback room is where does Kyler Murray? fit in when does he come back to the Cardinals and when he comes back what is he giving you and like you mentioned does shrimp even really want to win games this year I don't know but for $45 I think we mentioned this Kyler was the steal of the draft and probably just like Goff can be a shrimp for the rest of his career on that contract. When you look at who he's paying, who's probably getting dropped, Kamara's probably getting dropped next year, I would imagine that uh, J. Jeff, yeah, maybe you can find a way to keep him, but my point is a $45 Kyler Murray, if, if, if you think he is efficient in the league for five more years, you keep him. Um, so I think a, a sh- relatively speaking, strong, if not just like hovering on that average line of, of quarterback room for the shrimp. Absolutely. His strength right now, I would say. 
Definitely. Um, going to his weaknesses, I think this running back room sure. has got weaker over the past two, three weeks, certainly over the past six days, uh, with not only the looming suspension that was confirmed with Alvin Kamara getting suspended for three games, but also the uncertainty of what Evan Hull is going to be in this offense. Um, outside of Alvin Kamara, even if he did play a full 17 games, we know that there is no RB2 on the shrimp. Nowhere to be found. Uh, Michael Carter, probably an RB2, but most likely an RB3 on his own team. Uh, Zach Evans, same boat, most likely an RB3 on his own team. Isaiah Spiller, uh, Smelia, probably don't want any part of him. And then Evan Hull, as I mentioned before, um, could re- be replaced as the RB2 on his own team and can be the RB3 with Jonathan Taylor's return. So this running back room is a mystery, much like the owner. Um, I don't even love Kamara this year. I didn't like him last year, but for $50, I certainly don't love it. I think this time next year, this is the biggest gap in terms of fulfilling year-to-year for Shrimp. He was able to add some pieces in the wide receiver room, which we'll get into. He was able to add a piece in the quarterback room we just alluded to. But I do think the shrimp, if he wants to be competitive in 2024, because he's not going to be competitive in 2023, he needs to address this running back room, which I would give a D, or as I would like to say, S. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, we talked. Don't sugarcoat it. it. There's nothing to love. No, I'm not. I'm not sugarcoating it. I, but I'm actually putting it down. Um, Stevie decided not to spend his money at the rookie draft. We we thought everyone was going to kind of blow their load in the or sorry in the vet draft. Stevie did not. I think the Alvin Kamara for fifty dollars purchase was a little bit of a you know an oversight. That being said, I don't remember when he was nominated. I don't know who would have been probably picked over him. Is there a work? No, probably not. He's gone. You're right. Are you okay? <laughs> no, I'm just. I'm. Tr- I'm, I'm, like I'm doing. I'm doing mental math, and I'm. I'm trying to say like who is. I know Colleen Wolf is on the TV, but relax. Who Who is the? Who is the cornerstone here? And there is no, there, there isn't no, one. So there's no cornerstone. If you're shrimp, are you saying? I am drafting a running back for sure in the vet draft, or are you saying? Maybe I'll trade a pl- I'll trade a player on a good contract for a young running back. I don't know. You can probably get away in our in in any fantasy league with not having the strongest running back room, but you gotta have guys that are on the field on Sunday. And and you can't even really say that for this group outside of Alvin Kamara. So you're right. Definitely the weak point. Maybe the weakest room in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, not yes. running back room, the weakest room the in weak, the league. The weakest room, the, the most ass room. Yeah. yeah. So, Shrimp, I'm sorry. I had a great week, uh, Thursday night with you last week, um, but this room is, is ass. ass. Um, <laughs> moving on, we got the wide receiver room. There are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven guys. Is that right? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. 8, 9, 10, 11 guys on the roster. The most expensive being the almost consensus number one pick in redraft leagues, Justin Jefferson at $74. I'll let you start the conversation, Pin, but I'll put this in your head. 
does Justin Jefferson end the season on the Shrimps roster? Yeah, he has. You don't, you don't think that there's any scenario where he's a deadline acquisition? Zero. No, because I think the shrimp is um, might not be the sharpest tool in the shed. Uh, no, no, I, I don't. I don't mean that. I mean, I'm I'm certainly not the sharpest tool in the shed when it comes to fantasy. But I, I don't think that the shrimp is going to give away what most perceive as the most valuable asset in fantasy land. Certainly in dynasty, um, you kind of look at what. JOS does with their quarterback room and granted it's a different position but they have a $99 quarterback I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility for not only next year but two years down the line for the shrimp to have a $90 receiver a $94 receiver I I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility if he thinks that look we're going to build around him we're going to get cheaper we're going to get younger uh, he has that $4 contract on Goff that we talked about. He could completely blow up that running back room next year. He had a ton of cap heading into the rookie uh, vet draft this year. So I think the shrimp is set up where he could actually build around this team. And what's interesting is that this year he's actually going to get a little bit more help because last year it was just Jay Jeff. But this year you have guys like Sky Moore who's going to take a step up. You know, you have guys like Deontay Johnson who you only got for $26. You have a guy like Michael Gallup, who for $9, not terrible this year. Um, Zay Jones, $8. Thank you very much. He could be the number two. So I think the shrimp improved that receiver room, and I think that he could build around Jay Jeff by either cutting from other positions, i.e. running back room, Michael Carter, $20. That's disgusting. Um, Or just finding caps somewhere. But no, to answer your question, Justin Jefferson is not leaving the shrimp anytime soon. And I think this wide receiver room overall has uh, much improved and got bolstered over the years. Yes. Uh, J. Jeff is the obvious um, alpha in that room. So you're saying you think that he plans to build around J. Jeff? At least for the next year, for sure. Going into 2024. Mm -hmm. Okay. That being said, then, I would say Deontay is a a solid wide receiver, too. we we talked about this in the in the vet draft recap, um, and then you have guys who I think could outperform. I am not a Jets guy, but I think Miko Hardman is interesting. I, I, I do too. I, I think he, I think he has the ability to like carve out. I, I don't know. I, I think he has the ability to carve out if he could be reliable for Aaron Rodgers. He can carve out that like deep shot role. And you can see a world where he has like, what, seven fifty and seven, like mm-hmm. that. That would that would be a solid year. And like, if you're looking for a guy who plugs in as the wide receiver three this year, I don't know that I trust Sky Moore. Um, with the addition of Calvin Ridley, I don't know if I trust Zay Jones. Michael Gallup is always someone who's promising going into the season, but he's he really bothers, he, yeah he man. hates playing football. Uh, and then Tyler Boyd, I think like you've been able to rely on him as a wide receiver three, but I don't know if that's going to be this year. I don't know if that's going to be the case this year. So there are some young guys like Rasheed Rice who, in that Kansas City offense, if he can if he can become a reliable target for Patrick Mahomes, great. Uh, you have Khalil Shakir, who's 
in that Buffalo offense. He's gotten hype, but he hasn't been able to solidify the role. I don't know. I, I do think that if we're talking about the strength, it, it's probably this room. Well, we talked about the quarterback room, but uh, out of the running back, tight end, wide receivers, this is the strength. Um, if you're building around J. Jeff, I personally, if I'm the shrimp, I'm committing to the tank, and I'm looking for a way to offload Justin Jefferson. But it, who's gonna take him? I don't know. I, I dollars. All it takes is a competing team to lose a bad contract, a $50 guy, and you could figure it out. I mean, look, if you had $75 right now. Okay, if, if you, I'm... Would, if I'm, Would you take on JJ? If I'm... If my, I'm my answer on, would be no to that. If I'm 6-2, and two, right, and I... And and all of a sudden, C.D. Lamb goes down, or Joe Mixon goes down, I would trade a first-round pick for Justin Jefferson to make and a run. cut C.D. Lamb? Yeah, because he's probably not going to be on my team next year. I mean, it, it's possible. But my point is, I think there's a world where a team can get under the cap or a team like Stevie says, I have six first-round picks next year and $150 to spend. I'll take J-Jeff. I think that's more realistic, but I think it's so complicated and nuanced in terms of saying, oh, like I, Stephon Diggs went down. Let me cut him. But as soon as I cut him, someone else is going to try and pick him up. So it, it's it's very, very difficult. And, and guys like DMP and guys like Snake Eyes and, and competitors that we talk about, Boats, they're up against it in terms of the cap and up against it in terms of roster. So I just don't know if he can move him this year. Not that he doesn't want to or has a desire to. I just don't think he can. I don't think it's feasible. So um, all that to say, um, Shrimp, I don't think you're going to be a playoff team this year. I think that the first year was... Ooh. We got to do tight ends, Jim. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. Tight ends. Um. <laughs> there's five. There's five on the roster. <laughs> there, there's five on the roster. Two of them are on the Jets. That being said, I, I will say this. I've seen, you know, they come across my Twitter timeline for whatever reason. Aaron Rodgers seemingly only throws touchdowns to tight ends. In this Jets camp, uh, he only the only guy he doesn't have, and I think you got to figure out a way to do it. You got to get the cunts man on this roster. Uh, he's got Tyler Conklin, he's got Jeremy Ruckert. Um, those are the Jets, and then obviously T.J. Hawkinson is is who he is projecting to be the number one weekly tight end starter. Isaiah Likely, who's interesting. Darnell Washington, who's also interesting. I could see a world where he scores eight touchdowns this year. Um, but what's your what's your? I think this really boils down to pin. What is your T.J. Hawkinson outlook? I think for thirty two dollars, this is the last year that he would be on my sure, team. But just as a player, um, I think T.J. Hawkinson is a top five tight end. I think he could be really the number two option in Minnesota. I think he could be the number two in terms of touchdowns scored in Minnesota. I like him this year. Um, I think he's going to go for another big contract, not in corn, but in the actual NFL, whether that's with Minnesota or not. I think he fits that team pretty nicely. Um, I don't understand the multiple Jets tight end um, hoarding, if you will. I do like Isaiah Likely, and I do like Darnell Washington as backups, both for 4 and $1 respectively. So I think Shrimp should just cut bait uh, with at least one of the Jets tight ends. Um, maybe two, but 
but I do think that TJ Hawkinson will be a top five tight end to answer your question this year. Okay. Um, I'm down on Minnesota, generally speaking, like as a whole. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I wonder if the TJ Hawkinson tight end two season was a fluke. Um, I don't know. Uh, but I think like when you look across the league and and you assess tight end rooms, this isn't bad. Like this is it's top half of the league, probably, just given the depth. I don't know if that's praise or not. Like, do you wanna have the deepest tight end room in our league? I don't know. Um, but between the Hawkman, Isaiah Likely, and Darnell Washington, who's projecting to be like a touchdown beast like he he's gonna have I think uh Darnell Washington's gonna have like a lot of two for ten and a touchdown or two uh type of games and like nothing else he's just gonna block and he's gonna score touchdowns inside of the 10 yard line that's fair but like if you're the shrimp and you have no other options or really if you're anyone and you have no other options like I'd rather roll out a guy who's got touchdown upside than like three for like 30 upside um I don't know all that to say I think if you have someone who is consensus top six tight end you're doing better than most of the league so a potential strength for this trim heading into 2023 what did what do you have them record wise four and ten missed the playoffs uh same I think the 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 short answers from pin means that he needs to get downstairs he's he's outside of his range of uh of lateness hour 21 this is a a good pod I mean this is this is what it's going to be though these are these are big time episodes this is our season prognosis this is what we hang our hat on he's doing the, the symbols I mean that's it for me if you have anything else to say before we move on um he's a plumber he's a plumber can't wait to break down the next four teams um preview on the next four teams it's the phantoms Gumbius, Nadadicon, boat, snake eyes, snake eyes. Yeah. Now surprising. There was a point. There was a point tiebreaker there. Now surprising because snake eyes did make it to the championship, but, he but it's it's the meat of our league. Finish third in the division. It is going to be a very interesting episode. So it might not be an hour twenty two like this one was, but we'll see. Listen, don't make plans on Thursdays, Pin. I didn't make any plans. I just said I'd be down by eight. It's eight thirty four. That's so. not that the eight thirty four is fine. I know, but you know what I'm Listen, this episode uh brought, brought to, to you by, by who? Shucked. Shucked by Shucked. We'll we'll get into that sponsor next. We'll get into that. Oh my god. <laughs> Pin is drunk. No, I'm not, I'm not He's gonna, not no, 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 I'm not getting in trouble again. <laughs> That is the end of the episode. <laughs> we will see you next week. This might be the record for the longest episode. Yeah, I think it is. <laughs> Have a good day. God Go bless. Go get that corn. <laughs>